Whatever kind of night you're having, start it off right with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. Whether you're mixing up a bullet bourbon old-fashioned for a cozy night in, or Kettle One Bloody Mary bar for a birthday brunch, you can get the perfect beer, wine, and spirits for any occasion delivered with Drizzly. So, what's it gonna be? Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com to choose your drinks today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Between the Numbers, episode five. Today, we will be looking at tailored player development, and I will be giving a quick shout out to the Dan Duquette regime. So these are subjects that were somewhat brought up in the WhatsApp group chat. And uh, while reading the chat, I kind of decided, yeah, this is what I wanted to talk about for this episode. Uh, I think these are both things that I've been thinking about for at least a few weeks. And um, yeah, without further, further ado, let's get into it. So the first thing, tailored player development. I think this is kind of a very idealistic goal for many major league organizations. I think many organizations have the intent to have tailored player development, but ultimately fail at doing so. At the end of the day, organizations have hundreds of players, and they only have so much human capital to work with these players. They only have so much analytical capacity to provide insights to players. And I think most organizations come short. However, I think to a large degree, the Orioles are one of the only organizations that actually crushes tailored player development. And so I want to dive into a few reasons why this is. Um, the first reason I want to talk about is establishing the right coaching culture, which I think is something that we saw occur from the very moment Mike Elias walked into the door and started making coaching hirings. Um, we saw a very common theme pop up with coaches. Coaches were familiar with analytics, but also had 
some affinity to what I'll call old school baseball. I think this type of coach um, type is one that you'll find all across the system, even into the major leagues, where you have guys like Brandon Hyde and Freddie Gonzalez as very prominent figures. Of course, Brandon Hyde is the manager. <laughs> um, I believe this has helped create a um, a really great developmental culture for players because I think having that balance between new school and don't get it twisted, the Orioles are very new school, but also a touch of old school has helped it um, has helped create a culture throughout the organization where it's easier to buy into what the organization is doing. Um, I say this because, you know, there are many players who come from backgrounds that are not analytics heavy. And there are many players who come from backgrounds that are analytics heavy. When you try to blend all of that in a room and a coaching staff sides with one side or it sides with the other side, it's going to create conflict. It's going to create a bit of a mess. I think having the balance that the Orioles have struck, um, and up to this point, it seems like it's been actually quite a harmonious balance that they've struck, has helped players from both sides just buy into the organization and buy into the work they're doing. I wanted to shout that out first before diving into a couple other notes. I think the biggest one when it comes to achieving tailored player development for the organization has been generally acquiring players that fall into a few different archetypes. I think having many players with similar archetypes has made it easier to have this tailored player development. Uh, I think this has made it so that coaches don't need to, you know, totally change things from one player to the next when they're trying to tailor things. Instead, for the most part, players will have a lot of overlap in what is actually optimal for them to develop in the areas in which they need to develop. I mean, if you think about it logically, you know, if you have, you know, a power hitter who's a free swinger and a power hitter who's, you know, uh, extremely patient, mixed in with a couple of slap hitters and, you know, throw in another type of hitter in there. I can't come up with one top of mind. But, you know, if you have all these types of archetypes mixed together at once, it can create an environment where coaches and the coaching staff is just stretched out too thin. However, the Orioles, simply put, they have a type. When it comes to position players, you know, they like raw tools. Now, they like supplementary skills, such as positional versatility and a, a patient eye at the plate. But what they really love is raw tools. They love raw power. They like speed. And they like guys with defensive instincts. I will say the raw power is what it looks like the Orioles love most. But, you know, then you pair that up with guys who match up in the supplementary skills that they have, guys who have, okay, generally decent walk rates and 
all of a sudden, you know, you have a pipeline of guys who you may want to treat very similarly. And so this makes it so that a coach can maybe sit down many guys down at once and, and give, you know, the same advice to while not really hurting their development. And because of this, it also gives the coaches the time, the, the, it opens up their, their schedules to be able to work with the few players in the organization who really don't fit into any of the broad archetypes that we see. For example, a Frederick Bencosme or a lot of the Dan Duquette guys that we, we had in the organization. The Austin Hayes, the Ryan Mountcastles, the Cedric Mullins. These are players that don't fit the general Mike Elias position player mold. But because of the way the organization is structured, it has allowed for the coaching staff to give these guys a ton of love. I will say for pitchers, I think the raw tools that the organization looks for is max velocity. I think they look for that raw arm strength and they try to maximize that arm strength. And the supplementary skill that they look for is either, you know, I'll say a secondary, feel for a secondary. You know, if it's a guy with a changeup, if it's a guy with natural feel for a slider, they like having that supplementary skill. I think a lot of that has to do with the pitcher's supination or pronation tendencies, if you guys know about that. But they like guys with feel for a secondary and room for growth in terms of velocity. I think, to be honest, I don't think the organ the Orioles are an organization that you see really increase raw arm strength a whole lot. To be honest, I think that's not our niche and it doesn't have to be our niche. You know, if we know that we can make the most out of existing arm strength, then that's, that's another way to, to achieve developmental successes. I think that's actually, you know, leads me to the next point that I'm going to make is that the organization is super self-aware as to what it is good at developing at what it can really help players with. And so I think we acquire players to also fit those niches. It doesn't mean that we can't deal with players that don't fit those niches, but it just means that by and large, most of the players that come into the organization are gonna fit into these sort of buckets. And it also means that it helps us evaluate our own talent better. Because if you have an organization that is really good at developing and evaluating, you know, high strikeout, high walk rate power guys. It just makes sense to acquire high walk rate, high strikeout power guys and make that your niche. You see, maybe we won't be like the Guardians turning 89 mile per hour starters into mid 90s throwing guys. And maybe we won't be like, I don't know, the Rays cranking out international prospects with 
extremely, extremely polished tools. But if we can become the best team at our own niches that we hone in on, then that gives us our own slice of the pie where we can really shine. And I think we've done that already, to be honest. I think we we do an amazing job with a lot of different player archetypes, I will say. Or with not, not a lot of player archetypes, but a couple of player archetypes. And that's all we need, to be honest. I also think the organization is able and comfortable to admit where it might not be able to provide the best resources for a player. I think the Orioles are an organization that feel relatively comfortable sending players out to third parties like driveline or tread athletics to let them try to, to just get another set of eyes on players and to try to see if players can develop through outside help. I think they do this for a couple of reasons. One, like I mentioned, I think the organization is very self-aware and they might know that, hey, we are really good at developing this type of player. We might not be the best prepared to develop him. And if we want to have this really tailored player development approach, we can help, we can kind of ease our own workload by having a third party who's better at developing this type of player deal with it. And second, I also think the organization likes to just bring in the latest and greatest that's coming out of these hotbeds for baseball intelligence. Um, and I, I also think just having a, a good relationship with these pitching labs or player development, third-party organizations also can probably help the Orioles build connections in terms of, of finding coaches and future staff. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of driveline guys come into the majors, and I think a lot of the Orioles coaches in the minor leagues have driveline certifications or something of the sort. But yes, in any case, that wraps up a little bit of a, a discussion on uh, tailored player development. Might have been a little bit rambly, but the key message there is the Orioles have really done a great job there. I think the organization was kind of built from the ground up once Michael Elias came in. It was very much a scorch earth approach. It was very gradual and quite methodical, but they've kind of hit their stride when it comes to uh, achieving about as good a tailored player development program as is seen in the minor leagues. Uh, and that's really something to be proud of. But next, I wanted to move on to giving a shout out to Dan Duquette. Now, I, like many fans, have mixed feelings uh, about the Duquette regime and everything that went on there. Uh, we all know that, you know, no international signings, so that was an ownership mandate. And also, Practically no analytical capacity. However, I really uh, want to give a big shout out to just that regime's ability 
to identify talent, raw talent, even if that regime was not nearly as good as developing talent as the Elias regime. Um, you know, now that Duquette's tenure has gone by and the dust has really fully settled, um, it's worth noting just how many players on the 2023 playoff roster were acquired by Van Duquette, or at least were acquired during his tenure with the Orioles. You have Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Ryan Mountcastle, John Means, Dean Kramer, D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, Anthony Santander, Felix Bautista, and Ryan McKenna. That is over 40% of our playoff roster, if all of those guys make it, will have been acquired under the Duquette regime. Um, I will also add Mike Bauman would also be on that list uh, or could potentially be on that list if he comes back up. Um, or at the very least, he should receive a little bit of a shout out because he was on the in the bullpen for the vast majority of the season. Uh, now, this shout out is not to say these players would have turned out equally well under the player development of that regime. I firmly believe that if the Duquette regime uh, was still here, the the outcomes would have been worse. However, I do want to shout out the fact that uh, Dan Duquette left us with so much talent for the Elias Orioles as a player development machine to work on. And really, I also want to tie it back to what I was talking about earlier with the fact that, you know, in terms of becoming an organization that has its niches and how having those niches help us become really good at evaluating our own talent, if those players fit those niches, I think it is worth noting that I would say probably the, the biggest miss of the Elias era came in this time with Mike Yastrzemski, you know, with a guy who really didn't fit the mold, you know? And so um, it was easier for the organization to give up on him. Now, that's not something we've been seeing recently. We're not seeing the Orioles give up on guys and then have those guys immediately become really, really productive major leaguers elsewhere. Instead, I think we've really become a well-oiled machine at evaluating our own talent because our own talent aligns with our player goals, our developmental goals, and our just organizational philosophy. That would kind of wrap up this episode. This was a little bit of a short one. Next week, and um, or the next few episodes to come, we'll definitely be getting back to more number stuff. This was a little bit different, a lot more narrative, I suppose, for better or for worse, but it was something I wanted to talk about. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more.